Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. All right, church, we are back with another episode of the Equipping Podcast uh, today. I'm joined here by Michael. Hey, Jake. How's it going? <laughs> and Jordan. Hey. What's up? <laughs> oh, boy. And this is Sam. Uh, hey, hopefully you've had a great time celebrating Thanksgiving with your family. Um, we just wanted to kind of recenter and refocus a lot of disruption and stuff happening in the fall where it seems like you get going with school and then you have Thanksgiving break and then you get back and you take some tests or uh, your kids are doing that and then all of a sudden surprise Christmas is here. Um, I feel like in our kind of past couple years as a church, we've done a better job of redeeming the Advent season uh, and we want to continue to grow in that and just today wanted to take some time uh, to recap and talk through what what is advent uh why why we celebrate this time as christians as followers and what it's all about um so that we can lead out in really utilizing this time to prepare our hearts for uh the coming of the the first advent and the second advent the second coming of christ so um, before we jump into that content let's kind of chat through and then tee these guys up for this so this might be a, a curveball um, your favorite food that you eat during Thanksgiving. Oh. So favorite Thanksgiving food. I'm a sucker for stuffing or mm. dressing, depending on where you're from, what you call it. But it's one of those things that I don't eat outside of the Thanksgiving season, but around Thanksgiving, I'm like, you got to have it. Soggy bread, but some, for some reason it's good. Veggies? Yeah. Veggies, like, veggies are better with soggy bread. Yeah, so I don't get the it. The best Thanksgiving food, and you let out with stuffing? Yeah, dude. All right. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> Jake's disappointed. Uh, what do you got, Jake? I mean... Ribs. <laughs> a big old turkey drumstick is... like. I'm we, just not a big turkey fan. Yeah. Well... Jake hates me and Jordan right now. Yeah, you're going to choose turkey. I don't hate you. It's kind of cliche. I I don't hate you. I respect you less. (laughs) We would like, there was competition for who's going to get the drumstick. And I think I established early on in my family, like, Jake's going to get the drumstick. And then one year, one of my nephews took it. Hmm. And he doesn't exist anymore. I just was like watching him not finish. The drumstick in kind of, I just had to do heart work that whole Thanksgiving time. But yeah, drumstick, I think the sweet potatoes that are kind of like a dessert with nuts mm. on the top. I mean, that's yeah. good. Actually, though, it's the, the, what I look forward to the most is the like nine o'clock at night turkey sandwich. Mm. Yeah, just a little bit of the grazing. leftovers at dinner. Yeah. Grazing. Yeah. Now, Marcy made, a bunch of homemade turkey pot pies last year that just blew my mind. I'd be willing to try those. Oh, it was it was something special. Yeah. If you want me to change my answer from stuffing, I'll try those. <laughs> Jake, I felt we'll like, drop one off. I felt like I, I summoned a little bit of an inner uh, I kinda Jake's, sat up. Jake's uh, disappointment in people where I we had had some people over and uh, barbecued some chicken and there was like I so we took a whole chicken, I cut it all up and then like barbecued that so we were passing around 
and people that we had over were like, well, like, what's this? And I was like, well, those are the thighs. And I was like, and you know, those are the wings. And I was like, don't take those unless you know how to eat them. <laughs> like you can have, you, if you just want chicken, just take some of that nice yeah. chicken breast right there. But yeah. if you're not going to eat that chicken wing really well, don't take Do it. Do we just need to say that Jake eats chicken wings um, we don't. Need it's to been talk said about okay. It's yeah. been said before on a podcast, but you can uh, read yeah, it. What is it? It's, look, it's, it's the most impressive eating experience I've ever witnessed. All right, well, <laughs> the fact that it's been said before on a podcast probably speaks to my shame. <laughs> Here we are again. <laughs> I just I'm picturing the turkey leg after there, how, watching you eat chicken you, wings. What the turkey leg is going to look like? It's stewardship. That's <laughs> that's meat that's been given to you. You can't leave it on the bone. I'd say it's more like a vacuum commercial because you kind of just <laughs> and it's like yes. bone. That's I it. remember that's that's we left. were at a we would we would go out to eat uh, before our games in college, and we went we would go to some good restaurants, and we were at a place eating ribs, and I'm sitting at a table. <laughs> And like every five minutes, these freshmen would come over and just look and laugh. And then they'd go back to another table like, what is going on? And they'd come up, what are going on? <laughs> they would, somebody was telling me how clean my bones were and they wouldn't believe me. And so they'd come over and check and then laugh at me for cleaning my plate. Okay, I've I was, been at multiple restaurants where waiters and waitresses have done that with you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> That's no still going continues. on. Like, wow, that is so impressive. <laughs> it is Eating the meat off the bone is a stewardship It's a stewardship issue. issue. Yeah, good yeah. Job. What, what about you, Michael? Michael. Uh, sweet potato casserole. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know, maybe in the South, you just dump lots of brown sugar yes. in there. There's some, like, marshmallow stuff on top. I mean, it's sweet, sweet. It's like dessert, but you get dessert in the middle yeah, of it. Why is it that we wait until Thanksgiving to make vegetables really good? Like, oh, that's <laughs> a great like, It's like, oh, let's insightful. redeem that. Yeah. Vegetables can be great all year long. Yeah. We don't have to wait till Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. I'll, I think I'll, I'm going to jump on Jordan's bandwagon. You can stuffing. disown me here. No, nope, not stuffing. Weirder than that, oyster casserole. Oyster oh, casserole. Louisiana, it's, that was a thing. Oh, uh, and my grandma and I—we were the only two that ate that, but it was at every single Thanksgiving, Did, and we got a helpful or big plates. At oyster all, si- all six of the meals that day. So that's kind mm. of a unique food for. Like, did you have any unique mm. dishes in, down south? More in Louisiana, but not where I grew up in South Carolina. Okay. I wouldn't say there's like crazy unique things. My grandma, it's maybe not unique, but every Thanksgiving when she'd make pies, she'd take the leftover uh, dough for the crust and put cinnamon sugar on them, just roll them up into little small rolled up and bake those. And that those were gold. Hmm. Mm. Marcy, like if you're listening to this podcast, if you could bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we... Uh, Erica will make spinach madeleine now. It's like this spinach dish that has like pepper jack cheese in the middle of it. Really, really good. But that was a Louisiana thing as well. Mm-hmm. What was the dish where uh, you got to find the baby? That's Mar- that's during Mardi Gras season. King cake. King, King cake. cake. Yeah. <laughs> was no, that we, like, we don't hide like, real babies in cake. No, it was like the, <laughs> one of the, the backstory. first times like, they were here and it, uh, somebody bought a king cake. And I, I didn't know. I didn't. They're like, we got to find the baby. I'm like, what? You got to find a baby? What are you talking about? They like have a baby. The worst part is like, it is, it's like a small toy baby. But I has bit it. I bit into and it. no no clothes on. It's just really an odd tradition. Turning the corner into into Christmas, into Advent. Um, f- you guys share favorite Christmas memory growing up. 
probably from when I was a little, little kid, Pokemon just on the scene, which it's hilarious. It's still around. My brother and I each got, I got Pokemon Red. He got Pokemon Blue with a Game Boy Color. Yeah, buddy. And just ripping into that Game Boy Color and playing Pokemon for like 10 hours straight. That's sweet. It's disgusting and awesome at the same time. <laughs> our, uh, our holidays growing up, so my parents grew up in um, kind of in Nebraska, um, Central City, Nebraska. And the majority of holiday times, holiday breaks, we would be going back to the farm. That's how we spent our vacations. Uh, and my grandpa always had white F-150 pickups. And we would always go out anytime there was snow on the ground, throw a sled behind a ski rope behind the pickup, and then go drive us out in the field, like in the pasture field. And just, I don't know, so many memories of like family time and Christmas morning, waking up with all the cousins and everybody and snow on the ground and yeah, lots of fun. Mm-hmm. I've never in my entire life woken up with snow on the ground when at Christmas. Not never. even here. No, not it here. has not snowed at Christmas. Just snowed on moved. Halloween. And when you moved, yeah. but I was, but I got here in January. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get you a white Christmas. Yeah. I don't know if there's any particular memory. I think Christmas Eve services as mm-hmm. a family, and then like coming back and chowing some snacks and hors d'oeuvres and just. In your jammas, hanging around, watching a Christmas movie, like even like growing up doing that, and then with our own family now, Christmas Eve for us is a long day, a lot of services. But Marcy, for the only time of the year, orders appetizers from the Schwann's man, and we go home and we pajamas, apps, Christmas movie. I love it. Nice. There was one. Uh... I can't remember if it was like 10 p.m. service or a midnight service. So, yeah, the late. Little. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we I, remember, I was young enough, maybe middle school, but we were driving home and we drove past a cop that had somebody pulled over on First Avenue. My brother leans out the window and goes, "Bah humbug!" <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that was good. Then he got back in the car and chased and then you guys pulled out. us yeah. over. Yeah, I, not yeah. to be over spiritual, it's hard to be candlelight christmas eve yeah like with the room lit up singing that's a sweet we talk about like no sacred cows at veritas i feel like that's one of the most sacred ones that we have at least for you jake like that one's gonna be hard to ever give up yeah yeah that'll be tough why why would we it's not a sacred cow it's an ordained practice (laughs) 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 that the third ordinance it's in it's in there <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, so let's let's get a little bit more practical here. When it comes to Advent, um, it's easy to get caught up in the secular cultural happenings of Santa and presents and gatherings and family things. Just like I mean, Thanksgiving. You know, it can be like Thanksgiving Part Two. It's another family gathering just a month later. We you know do family meals and all that stuff. Um, how do you guys walk that line of what do you, you know, getting pictures with Santa at the mall or, uh, you know, do you do Santa Claus presents for kids? What's the conviction there? Um, how much engagement with like some of the secular culturalized uh, happenings of the Christmas time do you allow t- your family to participate in? I think just backing up for just a second, as far as Christmas season and then 
like, cause I always grew up calling it like Christmas stuff. I mean Christmas, but then like to even now refer to it as Advent, like, mm-hmm. Oh, why are you calling it Advent? Well, that's just, we're anticipating the arrival of Jesus yep. and we're doing that for a, a, several weeks in a row. So I think just trying to redeem even like the, the, commercialized Christmas season and the way we talk about it. Not that you can't say Christmas by any stretch of the imagination, but just when we talk about like practical Advent things in this podcast, that's even helpful alone to go, man, this is, we're trying to redeem what the world has taken a totally different direction. So I think that's a good place for us to start. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, language can be helpful. Yeah. So if someone said happy holidays to you, would you say happy Advent? Just to give it back to him. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? It is a fight to keep Christmas about Christ. Yeah. Yeah. There can be so much enjoyable, good stuff that makes Christ seem like a tag on presence and family and um, everything that's the. Christmas parties and everything just kind of seems like the birth of Christ is like, oh yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we need to fight to keep that at the center of our holidays. With um, Santa Claus, it's such a touchy subject with because it involves children and it's a magical, exciting you know time, and nobody wants to crush children's. <laughs> imaginations or dreams mm. or enjoyment. But I do feel like the real thing is more magical. Yeah. It, it's better. And we can, we in our family, we would talk about Santa Claus, but we never, um, we always let our kids know that it's make believe. Like it's, it's not, you know, this is about Jesus. And so there wasn't ever a moment of like, wait, what you lied to me, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. So, um, from an early age, we, we were up front with our kids. That was the choices we made. Now that makes it difficult for kids interacting in grade school. I remember we were at an out, it was an outdoor mall in Arizona and there was a long line to see Santa Claus and to sit on his lap and get their picture taken. And I'm walking with my family and I'm 10 yards ahead of them because I walk fast and I, I need to grow in that and walk together as a family, but it's shopping. So I'm like, let's just get in, get out, let's get it done. So I'm like 10 yards in front and Mo yells up to me, Hey dad. It's like, what? And he's like, I think Santa's just one big fat distraction from Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> and everybody in the line heard it. And like parents just kind of looked at me with a glare and I'm just like, he ain't lying. Yeah. I mean, I guess you got to have a conversation on the way home now, but you're welcome. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I was going to say, you used make-believe. Uh, that's probably better language. We've told our kids, like, Santa's fake. <laughs> it's uh, It's been, f- like, funny because, I mean, Blaze and Leo are currently three, and sometimes they just play back, and they're like, no, he's not. And I'm like, no, he is. But we did the same thing with the Easter Bunny. Yeah. You know, Easter Bunny's fake. Well, they're in uh, daycare, so they're, like, exposed to a lot of the cultural stuff. So having these conversations, we were picking up Pizza Hut around Easter, and uh, Pizza Hut worker was like, 
hey, are you excited for the Easter Bunny to come? And he just looked at her and he goes, the Easter Bunny's fake. <laughs> she just looked at me like, what are you doing to your children? Are you excited um, for, so, I don't know. Are you excited about the resurrection? Yeah, come on. Um, so yeah, we've gone the route of just being open with them. And that for me started with, before we ever had kids, mm-hmm. reading uh, an article that John Piper had written about how should we handle Santa Claus. And he made the same point as you, Jake, of like, man, just think about the wonder and the mystery and like the beauty of the good news of the gospel. Is that not more captivating mm-hmm. than the counterfeit? And so just being wrapped up in how do we present what's more beautiful to our kids? We're in a similar boat. I mean, our kids know like there is no Santa Claus. We talk, we go back to like a, like the, the history there and be like, there was a real guy who mm-hmm. gave gifts out and like, Hey, we're, we're going to kind of play the Santa game, but it's not a real thing. You don't have to like, you got friends at school that probably play the Santa game too. So you don't have to tell them all the, what we're, we're always talking about, you know, but, um, so yeah, Santa is not a, not a thing in our household mm. other than just, a yeah, that's the kind of game that gets played. Hmm. What, what have been some helpful things? Um, so, yeah, talking about Advent, it's the, the preparation, right? What Does anybody have the, the kind of history of the word Advent, how we kind of began to talk about it in that way? Anybody have that or no? The, the meaning or the yeah, history? Well, like, yeah, when, when did that term start getting used for this season? I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure of the full history there, but I mean, we talk about like the advent of the internet or the advent yeah. of the pandemic or the cell phone. Like it, this is like the arrival of mm-hmm. that thing. So I think that word's probably been around for a while. But just the the anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah is what we're going after. Yep. Yeah, that's sweet. What have been helpful things um, for you guys and your families uh, this time of year that you do? to make sure that you're um, intentionally leading and guiding and directing and preparing their hearts for um, the bit, like we've talked about before, the the reason that um, the cross is such good news is because we had, like we get to celebrate this Advent season. Like Jesus did come not just to be a baby in a manger, but he came to live a perfect sinless life and to die a death that we deserve to die. So this kind of like preparation time for Christmas and Easter, this Advent time and Easter together really display the gospel and the, the, this big piece of like, yeah. that's why we follow Jesus. What do you do to capture that? Well, I think the key to making Christmas about Christ is making life about Christ. Mm-hmm. And then you don't feel like, okay, how do I make this Christmas season about Christ? Yeah. And then... You, if you do, your Christianity is just seasonal anyways. Mm. But if life is about Christ, Christmas is just another rhythm um, that we practice that reinforces um, that all of our life is about Christ. We don't have to do extra work. We're in the rhythm of going to church. We're in the rhythm of worshiping God. We're in the rhythm of being in His Word. And now Christmas comes along, and it's just it's part of that rhythm. So. I think there can be an overcompensation too of like, oh, now we all got to get serious about Christ. It's Christmas time rather than, no, we've been serious all year. This is just celebrating him is is sweeter in this season because of 
some of the things that surround it. Yeah. At least for our kids, we, we're always just saying like, all right, guys, what's Christmas all about? It's about Jesus. And then it gets to the point where the kids are like, Jesus, Dad, we know it. We know it's about Jesus. But going back to your point, Jake, I remember driving around this fall when the leaves were changing mm-hmm. and like just pointing out like every time we're in the car, like, boys, do you see how awesome the trees look right now? Like, what is that saying? The goodness of God. I know, Dad. Like, they're just sick of me talking about it. And I'm totally okay with them yeah. being sick because like yeah. – yeah, dad's going to talk about Jesus often and what the Lord's doing. And this is not a foreign concept that dad's going to talk about. And mom and dad are going to talk about Jesus being what Christmas is all about. Hmm. We recently asked our kids, what is, what are some of your greatest Christmas memories? And it was sweet for me to hear kids growing up in a pastor's home. All three of them said Christmas Eve at church. Hmm. Because I think they're here all day too, mm-hmm. but they're experiencing their church family, interacting with staff and church members and being in the services and sitting in, and kind of that uh, culture of like, yeah, this is about Jesus. It's an all day celebration. Yeah. So that was kind of sweet for me to hear from their perspective. Yeah, that's sweet. I think one thing Ellie and I have done like practically, I know last year we. I don't know if we sold them, handed them out, but going through some like intentional form of devotional book, I think we did Joy to the World by John Piper Mm -hmm. last year, have uh, gone through Good News of Great Joy by Piper as well. But like intentional devotional time that is just more geared towards uh, how are we stirring our anticipation. It was fun last year also, like Ellie was eight months pregnant (laughs) around this time and is like, Oh, just a more intense understanding of this really happened. Like Jesus was really in Mary's womb and like getting to start some of those conversations with our like then two, two and three year old kids of like, Oh, Jesus actually came as a baby. And I don't know, was just unique insight in the, the Advent season thinking through, wow, what would this have looked like 2000 years ago? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> pardon me. Let's say there's somebody listening right now, or somebody in our church that um, may be tempted to, oh, this is the time to get it all right and try to do, you know, ten different things. Like we haven't done any sort of family discipleship all year long. We're going to get it right this Advent season. Let's do all this. What would? How would you? encourage them to utilize this time well, but also not feel like there's so much that they have to do in that. Yeah. I think there can be overcompensations in that season. It's like a, um, maybe use a sad illustration. It's like a, a split home where maybe a dad doesn't see his kids very often and he gets his kids for his weekend and he wants to do every fun thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to discipline his kids. So in that moment he's trying to create memories, but he's not really being a good father um like when we don't have a lifestyle of celebrating jesus and the christmas season comes it'd be like we're gonna read this advent book we're gonna do family devotions we're gonna go to this service we're gonna light candles in these days and you just try to like go from you're overcompensating i would start with what are sustainable practices that you can put in your life and carry out through the whole year Mm -hmm. because yeah christmas is a time where we especially reflect on his coming but jesus is king all year round and worthy of our worship. So I would just 
Like start with some sustainable practices. Maybe it's like, hey, we, we haven't really made attending church a priority. Don't just do it seasonally. Think like, let's build that into our, our life. Um, so I'd, I'd start, start slow. Sweet. I was going to say the same thing. Find something that you can actually commit to. I'm, I am typically, and sometimes this is to my benefit, but frequently to my detriment, like an all or nothing guy. And just find something that you can commit to, not just for three weeks, but throughout the year. Um, you know, pray for one family a night at the dinner table. Uh, you don't have to blow it up into something that's huge. Um, but yeah, start small and be consistent. Some of those small things could be, we're going to read Luke too before we open presents. Mm-hmm. Um, or we're going to, we're going to attend church through the Advent season and try to build that rhythm. Um, we're going to pray before we go to bed with our kids. Um, let's just kind of start, pick one and, and begin to make it a practice. Mm. Sweet. That's cool. As you guys are thinking about resources um, for how to grow in sustainable godliness, sustainable family rhythms, what would be, maybe it's not, it's not like necessarily an Advent resource, but some of that spiritual discipline stuff, what would be an encouragement there? I'll give you some like kids things that we've we've appreciated. Not necessarily. I mean, one thing it's a goofy little thing that I thought was really kind of yeah goofy when we first started it. Erica bought this thing called the Christmas Star from Afar, and it's probably like some like redeem like elf on the shelf type thing. I don't know. <laughs> so there's this little wooden like nativity scene, uh, but Jesus isn't in it. You put Jesus in there like on Christmas Day, but there's a there's a uh, star that you move around each day, and then <clears throat> you take the wise men and the kids like look for the star somewhere in our house, and then they move the wise men there each day, and then each day is supposed to get closer and closer. Sometimes it's a hiding on the ceiling fan, or you know, it's all <laughs> over the place. <clears throat> but just a reminder of like we're not going to chase some like creepy elf, you know, every morning, but like. We're thinking about Jesus. And I thought, yeah, this is kind of goofy. Is this like hokey? But then I'm like, you know what? This is a good reminder. Like these wise men like searched, they watched the star. They searched for the the baby Jesus. So that's been one little thing. So Christmas star from afar. It's been kind of a cool thing for our little kids. Um, just to like a album that I love listening to is Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God. Like it talks through like, I mean, it goes from Genesis all the way through. So that's just a good like Christmas. Like it gives you tremendous theology, everything, incredible musicianship. But that's just a another thing to listen to. So Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God would just be kind of two things that I think, oh, those are different than just books to read. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Jordan referenced a couple of Piper's Advent books are great. We've had them in our resource before. If I could push into maybe a more established follower of Jesus in the Advent season, because I think a lot of things we've talked about is like yeah. 101 type of practices. But I, I think um, we can't talk about Advent without looking at John the Baptist, because he's the one who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, what did he do? Uh, to to make that happen, he ate locusts and honey. That's what we do the whole yeah. Advent season. <laughs> Get your camel hair robe out. Let's go. Oh, I'm just trying to block all the comments about like bug is the new protein. 
things that food come. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I got you I know really distracted. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. Besides his wardrobe and his appetite, I think when you look at John the Baptist and what did he do for the advent, for the preparing the way, the arrival of Christ, uh, there is an evangelistic aspect to advent. It should create an urgency of in us of the coming of the Lord mm-hmm. and the faithfulness that he will come. Um, so he called people to repent. He talked about Jesus. He had an urgency of the reality of judgment, and he preached the gospel. Um, he preached the good news of the Messiah who's coming, and he looked to Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, Christmas in America is still a season where people are a bit more open to spiritual things. There's a openness to come to church. There's an openness to have spiritual conversations. Uh, and I think we need to lean into the to evangelism in this season. That we need to talk about Jesus. That we need to understand the reality of when Jesus comes again, it's in judgment. And that's a reality. And it should create an urgency in us to be ambassadors for him until he returns. Yeah. Any, are there any like questions that come to your mind of like, oh, here's some like good evangelistic questions that during the Christmas Advent season, Christmas season that like you could ask people around you, your family, your coworkers. I, I mean, nothing's coming to the top of my head just immediately. You, anything come to your mind? To well, the get whole into this? yeah, the whole season is about Jesus Christ. So, under just asking, who do you think Jesus is? Like, and and if you. You know, a good teacher, he's a good man. You know, if you get, I think he's the son of God, what does that mean? You know, do you, do you would you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about Christ. So mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a season where it's like, it's understandable to have conversations about, about Jesus Christ. Yeah, you get a softball thrown to you oh. just a whole season to yeah. tee it up to talk about Jesus. Yeah. I think one thing... Um, pastor and author Sam Chan had brought up is like, it's within our nature that we are more willing to talk about things that we don't take responsibility for. And so uh, getting people to open up about their spiritual background to ask the question like, oh, how did your parents practice Christmas? And then like, do you still practice that today? They're quicker to like talk about spiritual things if they can say, that's what my parents did good or bad, and then for you to be able to say, oh, do you still practice that today? Why or why not? Um, it's just helpful to start a conversation. You hear their background and can get to what are they doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did he come? Yeah. Invite somebody to read one of the gospel messages. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, have any of you guys had any conversations with any of your kids where it's like, didn't Jesus come last year? <laughs> Is that just me? We're doing this again, <laughs> but which, which I think is an interesting concept for like, for us to like really take a step back. And it's like, why is the coming of Christ? Why is the first advent such a big deal? Because there's the second advent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think holidays connect us to history too. Mm. And there's a sense of advent, like people waited hundreds of years for the Messiah to come, the promised Messiah to come. So the first Advent, when we celebrate in Christmas, what we're celebrating is, oh, God is faithful to his word. He will keep his promises. It, it happens. 
Um, so now in this long waiting period for the second advent, we look back to the first one and be like, mm-hmm. oh, but he's faithful to his word. He will keep his promises. He's coming again. And I think it stirs up that anticipation. We've talked about a lot of like additional resources. What what scriptures should our church be going yep. to during this season? It's not looked at as an advent um, scripture, but Second Corinthians five about being ambassadors. It, it's describing the period of time between the first and second advent and what how we should be living. Um, that we are to be ambassadors for Christ, imploring others to be reconciled to God. Um, so I think that's a sweet one. Luke two. Um, is just reminds us of it's a great narrative of the birth of Christ. Uh, all uh, Luke three talking about, or any of the other gospels where it describes the ministry of John the Baptist, I think are great Advent passages. But there's also just several that just speak of the coming of of Christ and what he accomplished. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting, you know. In an Advent season, as we're celebrating the first Advent and anticipating the second Advent, to think through verses that call us to think about the return of Christ mm-hmm. as well. Um, one that stuck out to me, so a resource plug, Bright Hope for Tomorrow by Chris Davis. The subtitle is How Anticipating Jesus' Return Gives Us Strength for Today. I had read that last year uh, in this season, and one way that I was challenged, so he talks through three rhythms, gathering, fasting, and resting, of like, these are things we can do to anticipate Christ's return. Uh, Matthew 9, uh, I'll just read verses 14 and 15. The disciples of John came to him and said, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And just this like call to, oh, we're in that season now. The bridegroom has come, and now he's been, you know, taken away. Of like, we we deserve to like to fast in this season, in a in a sense of like longing for his return. Um, so I think the quote that he had said is, if Jesus' presence warrants a feast, his absence warrants a fast. And I always thought of fasting as like a Lenten season, not an Advent season practice, but it challenged me um, in the season of Advent to No more turkey legs, consider. Jake. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> Advent starts the weekend. <laughs> Amen. Uh, some scriptures come, I mean, the Luke 2, Matthew 1 and 2, uh, I think those would be probably most popular there. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, uh, just the prophecy there. Even Philippians 2, talking about Jesus coming and humbling himself. John 1 is, John 1 and Genesis 1, uh, just the word is coming. Um, and creation started with the word and all that kind of stuff. Just some additional passages you could read during that time as well. I think uh, a passage to like commit to memory uh, and pray, Revelation twenty two twenty. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. Like, are we people that are willing to, to pray that? Come Lord Jesus. Mm. Church, as we're um, entering into this season and being reminded of the fact that we have a God who has, um, at the fullness of time, revealed, brought forth, and sent his Son um, to redeem a people, uh, to be a possession for himself, 
um, so that we would have a hope, that we would have a future, um, and that we would know our God, um, and that we would have a hope that's undefiled, unperishable, and never fading. Um, and that's Christ Jesus. And so as we celebrate this Advent season um, and think through practices and traditions and things that we're doing, Jake, I love what you said, um, a rhythm of following Jesus, sustainable rhythms of following Jesus. Maybe you're somebody who needs to implement one new thing of a sustainable way that you're going to follow Jesus in this next year. You don't need to wait for January for a new uh, New Year's resolution to do that. You can start doing that now. Um, or maybe you're somebody who um, is celebrating the season well and you're following Jesus. We're encouraged by that. Just ask that we would see more of God's glory revealed in the way of your simple uh, obedience. And um, yeah, come over Jesus. I love it. Love you, church. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at and put podcast in the subject line.